Happy Monday and welcome to another episode of the Sneak Preview, a Filmgasm Productions podcast that follows the current film release calendar. I'm Connor Izagari. And I'm Caleb Boucher. If you hear a odd hissing noise, that is the fan we are blasting here in Bremerton, Washington, because it's hot as fuck. If you've been following the news, you know there's a massive heat wave hitting the Pacific Northwest today. I flew out to visit my buddy on the worst possible week. And it is hot as shit, and we are dealing with it. So if we're a little delirious in this one, that is why. <laughs> Oi. Uh, everything he said, I'm already dead, and we've just started. <laughs> oh, today we're discussing the long-awaited, long-delayed ninth Fast and Furious film, F9, The Fast Saga. We'll also be discussing Hulu's False Positive and Netflix's The Ice Road been a week of misfires and disappointments but movies is movies that's why we're here before we get into it let's see what happened last week in film last week in film so we've had a ton of trailers this week uh, let's start there first up the Harder They Fall, a new Western coming to Netflix soon, does not yet have a release date, but it does have a fantastic cast. Jonathan Majors, Idris Elba, Regina King, Lakeith Stanfield, Delroy Lindo, Zazie Beetz, and Edie Gathigi, all confirmed. Uh, film is set to release sometime in 2021. I think this looks very exciting. Yes. Uh, I actually forgot about this trailer and haven't seen it yet. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Um, so, my bad. But, uh, I mean, I'm down for anything different. Uh, restaurants are kind of hard to do in Hollywood, it seems, so hopefully this is a good one. Hopefully. Um, next up, the new trailer for Candyman, uh, which is set for release on August 27th. This looks just fantastic. Uh, yeah, no, I've been looking forward to Candyman since that, like, a lot of people that trailer since last year. It's, on a lot of polls I've seen online, the most looked forward to horror film. Yeah. That got delayed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm with her. I'm excited. It looks awesome. Um, looks like a Passing of the Torch movie. Well, I'm just, I'm, I'm excited they got Tony Todd to come back, because to me, there is only one Candyman. I don't see anyone else stepping in those shoes. Uh, but, you know, this movie might surprise me in that front, but this does look very intriguing and I you know feel like I've been waiting for this one for a while so you know let's go yeah I agree let's bring it on hopefully you know keep that date set in stone next up the new trailer for the Suicide Squad set for release August 6th the more I see about this movie the more I'm like why wasn't James Gunn just brought on for the first movie and we wouldn't have that you know that just horrific misfire this this is what the Suicide Squad should have been yeah, it's amazing what happens uh, when you just let a director do their thing. Yeah. That actually cares about the characters and stuff. Now we have a, what looks to be like a good Suicide Squad movie that is like kind of being a sequel, kind of not being a sequel. It's like a seek boot, like a, like a requel. I don't know. It's something, but either way, it looks awesome. I'm super down. Yeah. Yeah. John Cena's having a hell of a year, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's between this and... uh. Well, maybe we were talking about tonight with Fast Figures and Sister Squad. Yeah, he's fucking kill- He's crushing it this year. Good. Next up, the second trailer for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, set for release September 3rd. This trailer surprised a lot of people because there are some major cameos in this trailer that 
nobody expected to see, uh, namely Abomination and Wong, to those of you who have not yet seen the trailer. This looks fantastic. Yeah, again, looks cool. Um, kind of an original Marvel that isn't like a sequel or anything. Mm-hmm. I am kind of mad they showed uh, Abomination. It would have been cool if they left that out of the trailer. But, I mean, hey, they've been working hard to show us that Incredible Hulk is involved with the MCU, so... I mean, I'm still going to watch it regardless of what I know and don't know about the movie. Weird how Liv Tyler never came back, you know? I mean, Bruce was so in love with Betty Ross, yet she's never come up once. Yeah, yeah, he's... <laughs> he moved on from her to uh, Black Widow real quick. And even even that never came up again. <laughs> he, he's like a... He's like the definition of a hit it and quit it dude, but with the storylines of an actual love story. And he can't hit it, because he's the Hulk. <laughs> We'll just don't hook out. That's a bad day. Uh, well, yeah. Shang-Chi looks exciting. Uh, definitely looks like something new for the MCU. And, uh, yeah, I'm psyched. Finally, and I am so ridiculously excited for this, the long-awaited trailer for Halloween Kills, set for release October 15th. Uh, was supposed to come out last Halloween, got pushed. And here we are. We finally are getting this film. This looks fantastic. I can't wait. I'm excited. There's one thing with that whole uh, deployment I went through. Uh, I was not exactly like everyone else. I got sad when this got delayed just because I would not have been able to see it anyway. Now I am able to see it, and it looks fantastic. I know there's been a lot of complaints that they usually show the all these kills and stuff, but if you pay attention to the trailer, it looks like most of the kills they show at the beginning of the movie, not the other 90-odd minutes we'll watch. So I'm not worried about spoilers or anything in a movie that showed something that was going to happen at the beginning of the movie anyway. Like, they have to explain how Michael got out of the house anyway. But they did the same thing for the trailer for the previous film. We saw some notable deaths in that trailer. It didn't ruin the movie. So I'm not worried at all. I'm just nothing but excited for this. Yeah, I can't wait. Biggest uh, biggest movie I'm looking forward to this year. Yeah. yeah. It's a horror. horror. Honestly, like, for the rest of the year, uh, apart from No Time to Die, which I'm anxiously waiting and have been for six years... Uh, Halloween Kills is probably number two on my list. All right, those are the trailers. Uh, Now for casting news. There's been a lot of that this week. Scarlett Johansson is producing and starring in a Tower of Terror movie based off the Disney World ride. Uh, Okay, here's another Disney World ride. This was actually, this is a remake of a little-known TV movie in the 90s, uh, Tower of Terror, with Steve Gutenberg and Kirsten Dunst which I had as a kid and thought was creepy as a kid. I watched it fairly recently, and it's fucking god-awful. But, you know, as a kid, you uh, your imagination runs wild. But maybe, you know, this will be something to talk about in a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, I mean, let's be honest, outside of Pirates of the Caribbean, they have not really nailed the whole, like, theme park turn attraction movie <laughs> no, very they well. Not. No, they have not. And even then, one could argue after the like initial trilogy of Pirates films that the two sequels he did after that weren't really that great. Yeah. So, I'm really not that excited. Doesn't I, surprise me Scott Trance is in it. They do that a lot. They get people in the MCU to kind of stay with them. I think a lot of this is hinging on the success of Jungle Cruise. If that doesn't work, I think a lot of things are going to get sidelined. But, you know, maybe not. Disney seems to write off their losses pretty quick. So, who knows? Yeah, they, they, you know, they get hit a lot with some losses. They keep on trucking. Yeah, 
John Carter, The Nutcracker, Tomorrowland. I mean, these are failures that would bankrupt any other studio, but Disney just keeps on trucking. Uh, Damien Chazelle's new film, Babylon, has added Tobey Maguire, Olivia Wilde, Spike Jones, and Phoebe Tonkin to the cast. They're joining Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Samara Weaving, Catherine Waterston, Eric Roberts, Max Minghella, and Flea, among others. The plot is unknown, but is rumored to be a period piece set in classic Hollywood, and I am anxiously awaiting this. Uh, Chazelle has had a hell of a record. Whiplash, La La Land, First Man, all great movies, and this looks just just sounds crazy, the cast he's pulling together for this. I'm, I'm psyched. Yeah, uh, I've only seen Whiplash. I've not seen La La Land. I really liked uh, Whiplash. That's an insane cast. I mean, you got people like, you know, Tony McGuire and one of my favorites in Small Weaving and Margot Robbie. And then someone like Flea, randomly, of all people. Uh, yeah. It's a hell of a cast, and I'm definitely curious when he's cooking up with that cast. Yeah. I like a secretive plot, you know, keeps the intrigue going. I'm sure this is one we're going to be talking about uh, all up, you know, all the way into awards season. Brian Cranston and Annette Bening are going to be starring in Jerry and Marge Go Large, the true story of a couple who scammed the lottery. The film will debut on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, this is a true story of a couple who found a mathematical loophole in the state lottery and managed to scam for, like 45 million bucks and tried to help their community with it. So this ought to be a very interesting film, uh, hopefully better than Paramount+. Plus's last effort. If you've listened to this show, you know my thoughts on Infinite. Uh, not great. But I trust Brian Cranston and Annette Benning, and I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. Um, I give it a shot. It just seems, I don't know. Paramount Plus hasn't really done a, a hit, it seems like. Yeah. Well, yeah. they keep grabbing all these movies, but then nothing really seems to be sticking. So, who knows? Maybe this is it. Maybe it's not infinite. We'll find out. Yeah, we'll find out. Ari Aster's new film, Disappointment Boulevard, has added Amy Ryan, Patti LuPone, Nathan Lane, and Kylie Rogers to a cast that already includes Oscar winner Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, Ari Aster is the writer-director behind Hereditary and Midsummer, so expect this to be an oddball with just the right amount of horror. I will... I am skeptical, because I really like Hereditary. Yeah. But Midsummer uh, is really, 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 really pretentious. And <laughs> yeah. artsy as hell. And I watched the two, like, the director's cut, those, like, two hours, 50 minutes, and mm-hmm. dear Lord, it would never end. <laughs> um, I, rem- I, I remember Midsummer being, like, one of our, it was a, one of our early episodes in the in the teens, I think. And me and Austin just vehemently disagreed on Midsummer. He loves it. I really kind of hated it. Uh, but yeah. I'm in the middle. Like, there's parts of it I like, but then there's things I'm just like, this is just not what I like to watch. Hey, if you like it, you like it. That's fine. Uh, not my type of movie. So I'm, go- I'm going to be cautious on this. If it's something, it might be something like Hereditary that I fall in love with or something like Midsommar. I'm just like, ugh. Yeah, we'll see. Uh Rachel Ziegler has been cast as Snow White in Disney's upcoming live-action remake of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. They're finally getting around to the live-action remake of their first film. It was bound to happen sooner or later. And uh, Rachel Ziegler, for those of you who don't know, 
uh, is only done, uh, like, everything she's done is pending. She's going to be starring in the West Side Story remake, and she'll be appearing in Shazam! Theory of the Gods. So somewhere along the line, she just was chosen for three major projects. So good for her. Good for her. Um, I think I've made it somewhat known with other films my take on um, uh, Disney's live-action output, which is I really don't give a shit about it (laughs) all that much. Um, Stop doing live-action remakes of your classic cartoons that you can just turn around and watch. And I know some people probably well, there's a lot of problematic things with the old cartoons. Well, no shit, they're made in a different time period. Be a parent. Make sure you let your kids know that a lot of that shit that is in there is not okay today. It wasn't technically okay when it came out, but obviously we have grown as a society since then. And very much not okay today. Um, but Disney, like... Let's just be honest. If it's not MCU, if it's not a Disney Plus Star Wars show, and their current trend of um, cartoon renaissance or animation renaissance seems to be happening, and when they partner with Pixar, anything outside of that, I just don't give a shit. Their their theme park ride movies and their live action remakes are probably the weakest fucking things they put out. I disagree. I think that with the right direction, like take Cruella, for example. That was really neat because they went in a different direction. They didn't just tell, do 101 Dalmatians again. They did a different take on an existing story that brought something new to the table. And if they do that with, you know, Snow White and uh, what else do they have coming up? Uh, nah, I don't remember. But Peter Pan, that's the one I was thinking about, Peter Pan. If they just tweak the story a little, give us something a little bit new, it can work. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt because so far I think their movies have been, you know, kind of middle ground. Their live action output, I like some of them. I don't like some other ones, and uh, you know, I'll be there regardless. I'm glad you all. I just, for me, like they did. They've only done two ones that were different: Maleficent and Cruella. Every other live action remake has been the exact same movie, but live action. Or whatever you want to count Lion King as. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll see. Uh, This I'm excited about. Walter Hill is directing a new film, a Western starring Christoph Waltz and Willem Dafoe, called Dead for a Dollar. Waltz is playing a bounty hunter again, and Walter Hill is a filmmaker who has done so many awesome underground action films. Southern Comfort, uh, Lone Star, Last Man Standing, Undisputed. He's a very versatile filmmaker who's never really talked about and behind you know to see him do a western i'm very excited i don't have as much to say here because i'm not familiar who it has worked i know but you know what color me intrigued yeah well you know when that comes around you know i'll give you some some walter hill to get brushed up on because i know you would you would love southern comfort it's such a badass film um, the upcoming Transformers reboot has a title, Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Stephen Capel Jr. is directing, Anthony Ramos and Dominique Fishback are starring, and it's coming out June 24th, 2022. So it's a soft reboot of the franchise, mostly associated with Michael Bay. Uh, I don't personally give a shit, because I don't care for these films at all. Uh, but I guess the Beast Transformers are going to be in this one, or whatever they're called. Yeah, from what I read, they're trying from a lot of the 
obscure Transformers that I'm sure, like, the hardcore fans would know about. And they want, like, the spectacle of a Michael Bay Transformers one, but the heart and, essentially, story of Bumblebee. So it's like, basically, we want the one good thing tra- Michael Bay can do with a Transformers movie, and then all the better shit with the Bumblebee movie. And there you go. There's the Transformers formula right there. I billion dollar franchise. I don't I don't get it. <clears throat> and finally, the upcoming sci-fi reboot Dune has been delayed yet again, but thankfully only by 3 weeks. It's now coming out on October 22nd instead of October 1st. So, 3 weeks, not that big a deal. It is going to be going up against uh some bigger movies this time, Last Night in Soho and Jackass 4, and I think one more. But uh something will move. You know, something's going to move. <clears throat> I mean, it's going to move. It's probably going to be Jackass 4. <laughs> yeah. I think the other one we're forgetting is another horror movie, so I doubt they're going to move the two horror films in October. Yeah, I hope probably not. Uh, I don't know why it was pushed. It's, it's been done for God knows I, how long. Yeah, this one doesn't make any sense. Like, it's been filmed. I don't see really a lot of excitement for a new Dune movie, so... You might want to just get out when you're not competing with other stuff. Might be your best bet, just saying. This screams, like, December release to me. I don't know why they're, like, I don't know. I don't know. So before we get into F9, the Fast Saga, let's discuss the other two movies we got this week. First up, False Positive, uh, starring Alana Glazer, Justin Thoreau, and Pierce Brosnan. Uh, Hulu original about a woman who is trying to get pregnant uh, is got um, gets pregnant thanks to her husband's fertility doctor friend and suddenly starts to become very paranoid about this fertility doctor's intentions. Uh, it's a very blatant ripoff of Rosemary's Baby. I mean, like, it's not even hiding it. <laughs> and uh, But it claims to be original, which pissed me off. I, if you're going to rip off a classic, just, just own up to it. <laughs> Don't try to, you know, screw with me. Don't tell me it's an original movie. Because we're going to see, you know, us horror fans, we're going to see the cracks. We're going to notice little things. I forget it. But this was disappointing as hell. Uh, Not at all what I expected and really just weird. Uh, What was your take on it? Uh, My take, I do agree that it was pretty much like a Rosemary's Baby but made for a new generation. Um, But this is the fun part because I am probably one of the few people on the face of this planet. This might be a hot take for any fans out there. That actually does not like the movie Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. So as someone who didn't even like the movie, it was an even crappier version <laughs> to me. <laughs> it was like all of the weirdness, but no payoff. Yeah. Like, I'm against the ending just going, I don't understand anymore. You've lost me. I don't get it. I don't know what's happening. I'm done. <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, you know, props to uh, the actors. They all, they all did do good. They did good with what they had. Um... Yeah, Chris Brosnan's always good in anything he does. Uh, Alana Glazer really surprised me. Um, as I'm someone who's seen uh, episodes of Broad City, and no, she was not someone I expected to be in this, so she was actually pretty good. I was surprised. And yeah, I mean, other than like performances from the actors and some occasional cool visuals, it was it was a weak movie. Yeah, five out of ten for me. Um, the big twist. I'm gonna spoil it because. I want to. I feel like I could deter some people. Um, so, 
instead of it being a demon cult or anything, it's really just Pierce Brosnan, Pierce Brosnan has the best sperm on the market, according to him. So he's been injecting all of his female patients with his own sperm to create his own sort of master race. And uh, when Alana Glazer finds this out, she immediately kicks him in the nuts, you know, shutting that factory down for good. So, all right. But then she just leaves. <laughs> like, like, he's not going to come after her immediately. Um, just, yeah. And then like, she imagines killing her children, doesn't do it, gives the twins to her husband who was in on it, and is like, get the fuck out. And then she, like, hallucinates breastfeeding her dead fetus. It's a, it's a weird movie that I don't feel like is really for anybody. I feel like, you know, I felt like it was very anti-woman, like very misogynistic. Uh, and yeah, men are just gonna not care about it either. Like, there's no audience for this film. It's it's weird. At first, I thought they were going down a route of like, you know, they're trying to control her body. Yeah. Which again, you could fit if you were trying to do like a, a new take on Rosemary's Baby and the idea of like men controlling the female body. Yeah. Very, um, I would say relevant in today's uh, time and uh, you know social awareness. But it really doesn't go that route, apparently. It just kind of drops that route, I think, halfway through the film. And then I'm just thinking, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> so, yeah, I do, uh, this movie was... I was bored through a very good chunk of the movie. I think all I had, I'm going to sound like Pig, but most of my thoughts in this movie was like, wow, I did not... Everything I find on a glazer hot, but hey. Oof. All right. No well. offense, it's just because I... <laughs> she wasn't my type when I was watching Broad City, but I liked... I, liked, I think it was a hair... It was, she had a good look. She had a good look. Okay, she, she was hot to me. Okay. Chalk it up to the heat. We're, we're, all right, anyway. Yeah, if we sound loopy, it's hot as hell in my apartment, and I've been keeping a constant lookout on my cat. He's also panting. <laughs> um, yeah, false positive. If you want to watch it, it's on Hulu. Pierce Brosnan's a decent bad guy, but really doesn't have much to work with. Next up, we have The Ice Road. Available on Netflix, uh, starring Liam Neeson, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, and a couple actors whose names escape me. Uh, one of the guys, Benjamin Walker, he was Abraham Lincoln and Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Uh, this was way better than I expected. Uh, still, you know, a little problematic, but a decent flick, which I was not expecting. It's about um, a diamond mine in northern Canada collapses. And their only hope for survival is some some life-saving equipment that needs to be shipped there ASAP. So they hire Liam Neeson, the only ice road trucker in the area who can handle this kind of load, and have him and two others uh, escorts like drive on the ice road in Canada, which is frozen rivers that they or in frozen lakes that they drive on in the winter. Uh, and it's actually pretty intense. Uh, I I kind of like this one. Yeah, uh, it's so, I want, I feel like those are weird, like, you have to look at, like, Nixon's career in a couple of parts, and one very significant part that we haven't escaped from yet is his post-Taken career. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, not, I would say not on the low end of that uh, post-career, definitely on the high end, but the problem is with his high end on his post-Taken career is usually the high for that is, like, a 7 for me, which is what mm-hmm. this film was. Yeah. Uh, but with that, I mean, yeah, no, it was a really, it was a much more fun movie than it had any right to be. Um, there, it was very simple. It almost felt like a throwback to nineties action, very simplistic. The stakes were all brought on the table. 
like the opening 10 minutes, there was no like plot twists or anything like that to throw you off. It was like, these are the stakes, this is what's going on, boom, go. And um, yeah, Deason gave a really committed performance. Um, there was a couple of parts where he, he was, I was impressed. I haven't seen that kind of acting from him in a while, and I was, it was nice to see that. I do wish they had spent more time on some CGI. Yeah. Because, dear God, was there some shots I was like, ooh, that is rough looking. Yeah, the CGI is this problem, this movie's worst problem. Um, I thought the characters, apart from uh, Liam Neeson and his brother, were not particularly interesting. Like, not very explored that much. Uh, I would have had a stronger villain. I mean, we just kind of got, like, a dick executive as our bad guy. Um, but the relationship between, um, was it Matt was his name? Liam Neeson's character? Mike? Mm, I forget. Liam Neeson. Uh, <laughs> the relationship between him and his, um, his handicapped brother, Gertie, was the star of the film. I love that relationship. And, uh, the movie really kind of bonds you to them and then rips you out of it. It's very well done. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think you should watch this one. The Ice Road is a, is a fun watch. It's a seven for me too, but honestly, it could go up if I, you know, a few more watches. I could get into this, into this one. Uh, I've enjoyed Liam Neeson's action output for the most part. Yeah, I'm not like I'm not trying like I'm not putting Liam Neeson's action output down. It's just like it's definitely what we haven't escaped from with them. Oh, it is pretty much the um, same movie every time, but you know. Yeah, and uh, reliable. Eh, it gets the job done. Yeah. And um, this is definitely on the high end of it. It is not a bad way to spend your your weekend night, especially, you know, for those of you in the uh, currently experiencing the heat wave. You know, it's a nice film to watch to know what cold looks like. Yeah. If you can somehow, like, angle the TV in your kitchen and just shove your head in the freezer, uh, you can almost imagine you're there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have thought about it. <laughs> I can't stress enough, if you haven't watched the national news and you're not a fan that's in the PNW right now, the heat wave here is amazing. And you're probably thinking, we'll turn the AC on, stupids. I live in a state that doesn't have AC. So, yeah, I'm just sitting here with a fan and a cat that's also trying to find a place to not pan anymore. And I'm on vacation. Isn't that ironic? (laughs) And, you know, by the time I get home to Texas, our fucking power grid is probably going to explode. So, yeah. I just have to make it through one more terrible day, and then the seat wave is over. Oh, ice road. <laughs> you know, come for the ice, stay for the Liam Neeson. <laughs> and don't drive on ice roads unless apparently you get paid to do that, which, dear God. I, yeah, that's a real thing, the ice road. I, I can't believe that, driving on a frozen lake, driving a big rig on a frozen lake. That is, I mean, a nightmare waiting to happen. But this is done all the time. It's bonkers. You know, props to truck drivers. They don't get enough love. Mm. Well, I think that covers uh, the little mackerel of this fishing trip. You want to talk about the big one? The big catch? The, the big, slightly disappointing catch? Yes. The, the big kahuna that the, the big that got eaten by a shark halfway back to shore? And then Satchgrotz fucked it. <laughs> We are very hot. Uh, F9, the Fast Saga, the ninth film in the little franchise that could, Fast and Furious. Who'd have fucking thought this film would ever make it to nine films, let alone be one of the biggest franchises in Hollywood? 
I every day I can't believe it. So first off, I just want to mention the numbering of this franchise. I don't know who the fuck is naming these movies, but they need to lay off the coke because it's it's fucking up their decision making skills. A genius, a genius is naming these movies. Let's go through them: The Fast and the Furious, Too Fast, Too Furious, The Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, Fast and Furious, Fast Five, Fast and Furious Six, Furious Seven, The Fate of the Furious. Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw and F9, the Fast Saga. What the fuck? <laughs> it's, I, I don't know. I, I feel like this franchise can get away with pretty much anything. It's weird. I, I'll never understand what happened here. Uh, this was about, you know, this was a point break ripoff where Vin Diesel and his gang were stealing VCRs in 2001. And here we are. Now they're thwarting global terrorism <laughs> with a secret brother bad guy. I mean, and the CIA, CIA's go-to people. I love that. Anytime a character miraculously comes back from the dead or goes rogue or is suddenly a superhero, just throw out the CIA and that's a cure-all. That just explains everything. All right. Well, we'll get into how much that's starting to actually kind of break continuity. <laughs> but yeah, apparently in this franchise, that's just their go-to is CIA. Yeah. Mr. Nobody. Turns out Kurt Russell's the architect behind this entire goddamn franchise. Stuntman Mike had a lot of free time on his hand. Yeah. So the film is directed by Justin Lin, who previously directed the fourth, fifth, and sixth entries in the franchise. He also directed Star Trek Beyond and will probably be directing Fast 10 and 11. It's not probably. Oh, is it set in stone now? Yeah, it's confirmed. There you go, Justin Lin. Apart from him, you know, we've had directors in this franchise like... James Wan, F. Gary Gray. It's odd who flocks to this franchise. Rob Cohen, John Singleton when it was early. Singleton did one of these? Yeah. Holy shit. I think he did Too Fast, Too Furious. You know what? Now that you mention it, I think that came up when Austin and I did our Oscar Sunday on Boys in the Hood. I think I remember hearing about that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's wild. And forgettable, apparently. <laughs> so... Let's go through the cast of this thing, talk about the major players of the F franchise, as I'm calling it. Uh, Vin Diesel. (laughs) Dominic Toretto. Hollywood's biggest family man. (laughs) Um, Latin street racer. Drives a 70s charger and is apparently Superman without the powers. (sighs) Vin Diesel. Uh, Producer of this franchise has pretty much been calling the shots here for quite a while. The beef with The Rock is kind of, you know, legendary at this point. Really overshadows this film. Uh, Vin Diesel. I know you're a fan of the Riddick franchise. Uh, Why don't you say a little bit on that? Yeah. So, this is something that's kind of bugged me about this franchise. I, I, as much as Vin Diesel gets on my nerves with some of his antics and... Kind of slowly leaking, he's a little bit full of himself um, with this series, and because it's making him so much money. Um, and I, I know, feel like he never really tries acting wise um, in this series. He doesn't have to. <laughs> he did, no, he just grumbles his way through things. Uh, Riddick, though, that was actually my intro to Vin Diesel. I remember I saw Pitch Black. I think we rented it. Yeah, we rented it at the uh, Blockbuster. A long ass time ago, 
And I fell in love with the movie. I fell in love with the character. I thought Vin Diesel was great. I think he legitimately acts in the Riddick films, all three, and even the animated cartoon they did. Um, and he, God, you know, he keeps doing those. But when, and Riddick, I remember it was a success. And after it was a success, he made a video, a weird video. It was strange. He was dancing for like five minutes. I didn't need that. <laughs> And then he'd finally tell us at that point that they told him you can do a fourth and fifth movie. Yet I have yet to get the fourth and fifth fucking Riddick movie. Instead, I got like five more Fast and Furious sequels. <laughs> I don't think he heard them right. What makes money? People want to see, you know, goofy wrestlers drive nice cars into fucking space. They don't want to see Riddick fight monsters again. At, at this point, put it in... Put in The Rock in a Riddick movie. Just give me a new Riddick. Like, oh I really like Pitch Black. I really like the third movie. The second one exists, and I am... You know, it exists, and that's all that matters in this world. I'm still waiting for my Iron Giant sequel. Yeah, good luck on that. <laughs> his best work. Vin Diesel is at his best when he's playing animated characters who can barely talk. Well, this is the thing, too. He... Triple X returns Ander Cage, because, you know, we were all... Rooting for Xander Cage to come back. Oh, yeah. Triple X. Uh, that was another success that made enough to want another movie, and they confirmed another movie, but it's like he gets told, like, hey, you can make another Triple X. Hey, you can make another Riddick. And in his dumb head, he's like, I think I heard three more Fast and Furiouses, correct? And they're like, no, we said a new Riddick and Triple X. And he goes, ah, oh, sorry, four more Fast and Furious. Got you. Well, he's a producer of this franchise, and these franchises are making a billion bucks an entry. I mean, he's making insane money off this franchise. What happens when this 11 one's over, and he's not even in the spinoff because of the beef with him and The Rock? What over? 11 is not going to be oh, the end of this. it's it. No. It's, it's over they'll, at that point. They'll find some way to keep this going, and he, he might not be in them, but he'll still have you know, producer credit. He'll still make money off this, you know, okay. TV show, video games, okay. something. He, he still needs some other fucking thing to star in though, because every other movie he stars in flops. Mm. Last Witch Hunter. Oh, what happened to that franchise, Ben? Bloodsport. What happened to that Vin? Not Bloodsport. Bloodshot. Sorry. Oh yeah. Different blood titles. Yeah. Uh, Bloodshot. What happened to that one, Vin? Oh yeah. I remember it flopped also. Remember the pacifier? Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, Vin. That one flopped too. You have two more that were successful. Just make sequels to those also. Be a smart actor. Actor. That's being generous. Oh, God. This is why they have beef, because Dwayne Johnson... How many franchises does Dwayne The Rock Johnson have under his belt that he can rely on? Are we counting Fast and Furious in that? Yeah, let's count it. All right. We got, we got that. We got Black Adam coming. We got Jungle Cruise, potentially. He was in that journey to the Mysterious Island. Jumanji. Witch Mountain, possibly, down the road. Jumanji. Jumanji. Uh... Yeah. Wow, it's amazing. So many things he can go back to. Yeah. To do a new one. Vin Diesel, because he won't do fucking sequels to anything <laughs> else I want, only has Fast and Furious. And when that will tries up, because, yes, it is successful, but we've seen the reviews for this one. Fans, if this if this quality keeps going, fans are going to stop paying to see these. Well, as Dominic Toretto once said, I got no choice. So that's that's probably why. Um, I really feel like I've been to the lot about my Yeah, you did. Diesel. Holy shit. Michelle Rodriguez, Letty, the girlfriend who was killed in a car accident and then popped up with no, with memory loss that got she got over pretty quickly because no one can die in a car in this franchise. 
Well, the whole thing was kind of stupid because uh, in the fourth movie, they show the flash. No, not the fourth one. Sorry. The sixth movie, they show the flashback. And the guy has a gun pointed directly at her face, which, you know, is a kill shot. But instead of taking it, he moves the gun and shoots her gas tank as she's crawling away anyway. So the explosion just throws her out of it. I'm like, why didn't you just take the kill shot? Oh, because you want to keep Letty in the franchise. I don't think I've ever seen a franchise that retcons its shit more than this one. I mean, nothing matters. Continuity is completely out the fucking window. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah, and Michelle Rodriguez is, you know, kind of just there. Uh, what are some of her outside of Fast and Furious notable roles? I liked her in Lost. Okay. I liked her in the Machete movies. Yeah, Machete. Yeah. She she is actually really good in stuff I've seen her outside of this. Um, even her little role she had in uh, Avatar. Oh, yeah. Was, uh, was good. Um, I actually kind of feel like she's oddly been underused in these movies. Like, yeah, yeah, you can't you can't outmatch Vin. Um, go back. What do we got? Oh yeah, in Resident Evil. Um, she's good in those. Uh, granted, they find a really weird way to also bring her back in that franchise because she died in the first one. Well, then in Machete, she gets shot in the fucking eye and just walks it off. <laughs> it's She's kind of the queen of, you know, coming back to life. <laughs> coming back for Avatar 2? Uh, no, she's not. No, she's... She, she died in a very violent explosion in the first one. Ah, well, mm, well, she's coming back she's doing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, that movie has an insane cast of just random people. <laughs> Chris Pine, Hugh Grant, Sophia Lillis, like... Justice Smith. This is really, I don't know. I don't know what the, I've never played Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know the fucking appeal. So whatever. Um, Jordana Brewster is back as Mia, uh, white, uh, sister to Dominic and secret brother Jacob, wife to Brian O'Connor, who has been mysteriously absent from this franchise ever since Paul Walker died because they won't just kill off the character. They'll just they're gonna keep him alive and just have him be the worst fucking brother-in-law ever and just not help Dom and ever. <laughs> it's really kind of it, setting his character back, honestly. It's Yeah, it's really funny. So you watch the first couple of movies and he comes back for anything and now Secret Brother... Nah, he's fine. He doesn't need me. Nah. Secret Brother who's literally <laughs> trying to nuke the world's, like, electronics. But that's not a big deal. Right. Dom- Dominic turned on the group in the last one? Oh, no, he's fine. Um, yeah. But, uh, no... Talking about Jordana Brewster, I've actually liked her since she was in Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning. Mm. Uh, I saw that, and she's really good in it. And re- honestly, I've liked her in that. I have liked her character in Fast Furious. Again, I I feel like she gets underutilized, and I feel like that's, a, again, this franchise honestly could get called out, and it has actually by its female actresses uh, for underutilizing them. Yeah, I agree. Well, you know, this this franchise really represents fucking male ego, testosterone, phallic cars. Like, this is about... This is a franchise about dick. Let's be honest. This is just swinging dicks, driving cars against one another. And that's why it's constantly wrestlers. I mean, these giant hulking dudes fighting each other. I mean, The Rock was covered in baby oil in Part 5. I mean, this is... I think it's very clear and very obvious what this franchise is about and who it's for. So... 
<laughs> so much baby oil that he was glistening. Oh my god, yeah, that some bitch was glistening. <laughs> I'll never understand why they gave him a fucking southern accent for one movie. <laughs> ah, Tyrese. Roman. Uh, the man who said, I will not be in part nine if Dwayne Johnson is there. And I guess producers picked Tyrese. Because here we are. Uh, he needs this bad. <laughs> I mean, he's become kind of a, you know, a joke in the movies about just, you know, like his whole bit about we're invincible, don't you see it? Like in this movie was, was funny, but a little, you know, too on the nose. Yeah, uh, it started out fine, but then he kept going. I was like, all right. Yeah. Um, Ridiculous. Yeah, honestly, if I was producers, I sure would have been like, all right, Tyrese, bye. Like, no offense. You're not the moneymaker Dwayne Johnson is. Stop siding with Vin when the whole point of the whole feud was that Dwayne Johnson just wanted Vin Diesel to be on time and professional. It's literally the least insane thing he's asking of someone. So you picking a side for clearly someone acting like an asshole kind of shows that you're kind of a douche. I'm saying it. I don't care if Darius Gibson comes after me. I'm, I lose nothing. <laughs> I just won't see a Fast and Furious or anything else he's in then. And then fucking Vin came out and said, like, oh, I was a dick because I was trying to enhance Dwayne's performance. Fuck you. Oh my God. You don't need to enhance Dwayne's performance. He has more fucking hit movies on his belt. And charisma. All right. And, you know, he's a nice fucking dude from what I hear. Vin, stick to Groot. It's your, it's your best work. Tyrese, uh, Ludacris, Tej, uh, the other kind of jokester of this series now. Him and Roman have kind of been paired as like the fucking Abbott and Costello of this franchise. And, I mean, he's a hacker, I guess, but also, but like, not as good a hacker as their other hacker. Uh, it's really confusing. Yeah. Um, he's the science guy. Yeah. I, I like Ludacris in these movies, actually. He, I like better than Tyrese. If I'm being honest, his jokes tend to make me actually laugh throughout the entirety of the movie, because it's usually him fucking with Tyrese, <laughs> and it's always consistently funny. Yeah, fair enough. So, I, I like him. Uh, yeah, he's good. Um, his acting uh, isn't done a, I mean, mostly Fast Furious, really. I mean, he's popped up in some other stuff, but not a lot. Uh, I am a fan of his music. Uh, my favorite song of his is uh, Get Back. You may know that as the Tropic Thunder end credits song. <laughs> Love that song. Well, see, he doesn't necessarily need this franchise like some other people. He he has a pretty successful music career as well. Yeah, he's ludicrous. <laughs> uh, move, bitch, get out the way. Uh, Natalie Emmanuel, Ramsey, their new uh, hacker friend, who popped up, I believe, in seven was her first pop up, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, was... yeah. She's perhaps best known as Missandei from Game of Thrones, uh, and. Ramsey, that's kind of her big her big thing. She's good, uh, underused as shit in this movie. I felt she was just there. Uh, like you said, you know, the women don't really have a lot to do. They don't. Um, I, it definitely really shows to know uh, Jordana Brewster. The reason she came back uh, big time, she, first she was not going to. She said, I want to be in on the action. I don't want to just be a background character. Yeah. So the fact that they had, she had to demand that just be in the fucking movie is mind-blowing in 2021 to me. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, they, you know, again, she is very good in this series. She's very good in Game of Thrones. Um, Good actress. I like her character. She's more one of the more fun ones to watch. But, yeah, she's she has, like, that one funny scene where she can't drive. 
But besides that, they really underutilize her again. Yeah, I agree. Um, Charlize Theron, who is back as the villainous evil hacker, Cypher, uh, from the last film. Uh, she's an Oscar-winning actress, uh, one for her role in Monster in 2003, was also nominated for her roles in North Country in 2005, and Bombshell in 2019. And uh, she is just hamming it up so hard in these films. Uh, it's kind of ridiculous. And uh, she's a great actress, and I just keep thinking, like, why is she here? She's better than this. <laughs> Her and Helen Mirren, who pops in randomly as the fucking Shaw matriarch. Uh, yeah, I like Shirley's Theron a lot. I recently watched, and I know this is a hot take because a lot of people fucking hate this movie, A Million Ways to Die in the West. One of the most underrated comedies of the 2010s, I think. I really like that movie. And her and Seth MacFarlane have great chemistry. And uh, I just think, you know, her, her script choice is, is odd sometimes. She's done kind of everything. Drama, comedy, action. She'll, she's a jack-of-all-trades. And uh, one of my favorite actresses. Yeah. Uh, I like her a lot. She's been... Uh, she's, again, I think she's won an Academy Award? Yeah, just, yeah. yeah, Monster. I was about to say, I can't remember if she was just on there and won it for Monster. Um, she's always consistently good in everything she does in. Um, and yeah, I agree with you. I don't see why people did not like it. A Million Ways to Die in the West. Really, like, for some reason, people really like Ted, and then Million Ways to Die, and Ted 2, people just completely said no to. I'm like, those were just as funny as the first Ted, but whatever. Well, then you look at, like, you know, Mad Max Fury Road, you know, Furiosa. She fucking killed it there. Yeah, she was actually good as uh, the voice in Adam's Family. Oh, she was Morticia. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, she was actually really good in that. Like, she... She was one of the strongest points of Atomic Blonde, uh, action film that got pretty overlooked. I thought it was kind of okay, but she was really good. She did some really impressive action choreography in that film. Yeah. Uh, no, she is consistently good. And even, like, the worst thing in... Again, they don't use her a lot. It honestly felt like they were signing up for the next movie, so... Yeah, she seems like they're, you know, almost like the Thanos of this franchise. Like, she's going to be the, the final villain to beat or something. Or knowing this film's fucking track record, she'll probably end up joining the family at some point. Everyone joins the family. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Uh, all right, let's talk the big guy. John Cena. Oh, yeah. Jacob Toretto, the super secret younger brother that has never been mentioned once in this entire franchise, despite the fact that he killed Dom's father and pretty much fractured their family. And this is the first we're ever hearing about this guy. <laughs> uh, he's not bad. John Cena's not bad. I think he's a good actor. I'm looking forward to seeing him in Suicide Squad. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, it's just he's a terribly written character. That's the problem here. Yeah, it. I was really excited when I heard he was going to be in this because he's usually, he's been excelling really well in comedies. Yeah. And I actually think he's really funny. That little line in the new Suicide Squad trailer where they're having the meeting oh. and the jellyfish, he's like, is that a sex term? Starfish is another word for butthole. Any connection? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> well, I love in the other trailer when he's talking about, you know, why he's called the peacemaker. He's like, I value peace more than anything in the world, and I don't care who I have to kill to get it. <laughs> Just... Wasn't the whole, like, if this island was made of, uh, made of dicks or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's, he's gonna be the star of, like, the standout of that film. I just know it. Yeah, he's, he's, 
consistent. Like he's consistently been funny in what I've seen him in. Um, and when I heard he was going to be in this, I was like, okay, cool. We lost Wayne Johnson, but we get John Cena. Yeah. And you know, whole, you know, it looks like he's going to kind of stretch a little bit, be a little bit more serious, intimidating, which he can obviously I pull off. He's yep. a big man. Dude is a shaven Sasquatch. He's fucking enormous. His hands are as big as Vin Diesel's head. It's insane. I didn't realize he was that big. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a massive man. And uh, But they made him almost too serious. Like, I kind of mm-hmm. missed the comedy because I felt like anyone could make fun of this franchise and do kind of like, to me, what I liked about Dwayne Johnson, which was he was very self-aware of what this franchise is. Yeah. It would have been... John Cena. See, I feel like Vin Diesel thinks he's making, like, the, you know, car heist equivalent of Citizen Kane. But, no, these movies are ridiculous, and you need to embrace that, or else you're going to end up with something that's way too self-serving. And, like you said, Dwayne Johnson was aware of that, and that's why his entries in the franchise are the best ones, because it was ridiculous, and it knew that. Yeah, it, it knew what it was. It's just dumb fun, and I felt like everything before that was a little too serious. Granted, before Fast Five, it was a racing series, so it could kind of get away with being serious. Yeah. Um, now it's about, you know, now for some reason Dom's team is the go-to A-team when it comes to cracking down on global terrorism. I'll never understand how that fucking happened. Yeah. <laughs> and now we have this one where the most jokes we get is the constant running of them being invincible, which kind of lost its steam after like halfway through the movie. If they'd killed off Tyrese in this one, that then I would have been on board. Yeah, that would have been like a, a really morbid but funny joke had they had they gone that route. Yeah, and not even like in a ceremonial way, just like he gets caught by a stray bullet and bleeds out. That's what I would have done. And then he just looks at Tej like, "Why?" <laughs> and then nobody brings him up again. Yeah, and I remember thinking like there was a certain point in this movie I thought, "Oh, they're trying to make me think they killed these two guys off." I was like, mm-hmm. they didn't. I know they're going to pop. And sure enough, they popped back. I was like, oh, woo. But uh, for you John Cena fans out there, uh, he is going to be getting his own spinoff series uh, from the Suicide Squad called The Peacemaker on HBO Max. And honestly, after seeing the trailers, I re- I, I'm going to be watching that. Oh, yeah, I'm checking that out. I just <laughs> see. It looks like Healy looks like he's going to be a standout on that movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, I also found out he's apparently granted the most Make-A-Wish wishes of any person from the Make-A-Wish Foundation, over like 650 wishes. Because John Cena is a cool guy, and seems like a really nice dude who appreciates where he comes from. So, good, which means the beef is going to start any film now. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Apparently, if you're a wrestler to an actor and a good dude, Vin Diesel has issues with you. I'm always smelling it when I heard that he uh, wants to do a crossover array with the Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. And I'm like, ooh, is there already stuff brewing? I'm tired of this shitty party. I want to go to the cool party. That's what I'm hearing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, So, yeah, cool for John Cena to be here. Uh, Han is alive. Uh, Did you know that? Because every trailer showed it, despite this being a perfect opportunity for an actual surprise. Uh... (laughs) Ridiculous. Instead, the trailers decided to trick us into thinking Kurt Russell wasn't in this, which was stupid. My God. <laughs> uh, and the super convoluted way they try to explain their way out of this one is ridiculous. I mean, we all saw Han get killed in the car accident in Tokyo Drift and Furious uh, 6, where, like, still one of the coolest moments of the series where Jason Statham's like, I'm coming after you. 
Like, fuck yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a highlight. That's an awesome moment. Back when Statham played, you know, evil, crazy, rogue MI6 agent Deckard Shaw. I love Hobbs and Shaw. I love his chemistry with The Rock, but I loved him being a crazy, hell-bent, vengeful bad guy, too. He was really good as that. I wanted more of that. But, yeah, uh, apparently who he killed was a decoy because Mr. Nobody has always had Han and his employee in the CIA. There you go, CIA. It's like fucking, you know, you're playing tag. CIA is base. You can do whatever you want. CIA. (laughs) Can I just, like, can this be where I kind of explain to someone who has seen all the films? Yeah. How bad this is! How bad this is! Retconning Tokyo Drift. I do want to point out, I have not seen Too Fast, Too Furious, or Tokyo Drift, but I've seen the rest of them. All right, I have seen all of them. I actually watched Tokyo Drift very recently. Um. Yes, yeah, so they try to say that it was a decoy the whole time, the entire time. <laughs> but as a lot of fans who have watched this from the beginning know, Han goes to Tokyo as was the South before this film came out. Goes to Tokyo and gets in with the uh, the nephew to a uh, member, the leader of a Yakuza gang in Japan. Oof. And is embezzling money. And the uncle, the Yakuza leader, comes to his nephew's place. And a really badass scene that kind of puts like the nephew in place. Because he's kind of a, a he's annoying prick of a character. And his uncle is like, it's, it's like it, he's going to go visit his nephew his people walk in first and all of a sudden all his nephew gets him and tells all these people get the fuck out everyone get out like <laughs> freaks out because he knows who's coming it's a really badass scene and like his uncle sits in his chair and everything without like permission it's awesome yeah. uh, and tells him hey someone's embezzling money from you who do you think doing it because i have an idea he even tells him, like i already know he's doing it <laughs> i want you to figure out dumb fuck <laughs> like, and Finds out it's Han. Goes to Han's garage. They have a big little spat and gets into the car chase, which leads into the whole Han getting hit and exploding. Now, that's how we got there. And as a lot of people know, the rest of that story is that Lucas Black, the most southern-sounding son of a bitch, (laughs) has to go to Tokyo because he's in trouble with the law. So he goes to Tokyo and becomes good friends with Han. From the very beginning, we're seeing the Han and Lucas Black friendship happen. So at what goddamn point in that movie, or before that movie, did fake Han become really good friends with Lucas Black, die, and then have this tearful reunion at the end of this one? Like, no, the the decoy doesn't make goddamn sense. And this is where the retconning is getting really bad, because they're just going, CIA, Mr. Nobody's, all of it, look, see, look. It... It was a decoy. Fuck you if you've seen Tokyo Drift. We don't even really like that one. <laughs> <laughs> See the, the, the leaps in logic you have to make here, the mental gymnastics you got to take to make this fit. <laughs> this is a movie, like, this is a franchise about racing and now, you know, racing against time. Uh, but, um, yeah, just ridiculous. I, Han is alive, and everyone just kind of accepts it. And including Shaw, who's like, oh, shit, at the nice little mid credit scene, which is cool. I don't know why Han's pissed. I mean, didn't he organize that whole thing? <laughs> like, where's the revenge angle yeah. there? <laughs> yeah, where's the revenge? It was apparently organized. Then, like, 
the whole thing, you know, he's surprised. I don't know. It's just so confusing because you had the whole thing about, like, you know, he did it on purpose. And now he's sorry for it. Yeah. And because, you know, that was the big thing. Justice for Han. I don't give a shit. What? Everyone's acting like it's, like, the biggest deal that, like, oh, well, he's back. So there has to be justice. What justice? What, what justice in this it, franchise? It's not like he was about? resurrected from, like, a demon curse. He just never died. Just, there is no justice. There's no justice. Are we thinking that Vin Diesel's character be, almost beat a guy to death with a wrench? No, he did. He did beat a guy to he death. He did beat a guy to death. Having on that justice yet, have we, Vin? No, apparently he served his nickel, and uh, now he's just, you know, Dominic Toretto, global terrorism fighter. <laughs> one last ride. Every movie's one last ride. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the item they're after is this super terrible... Like, why would anybody build this uh, Project Ares thing that's two balls, or half of one ball, sep- uh, separated, and you bring it together with a code that's actually a person, because we can do that, uh, and this technology wipes out all, like, computer code on the planet and will make anyone who wields this a god. Because we're... This, franchi- this franchise is now in sci-fi territory, <laughs> This movie turned it into a sci-fi franchise. Because we have characters going to space. We have technology that can control the planet. Like, we have, you know, magnet cars. <laughs> Good lord. Oh, dear God. This franchise is getting... I think because of these, uh, these continuity issues now, it's making me really just look at this ridiculous show and go, okay, I see what you're doing. You're just making me watch a bunch of insane crazy stunts to mask your... No care whatsoever retconning, and now you're losing me. Fuck you. Yes. Fuck you, indeed. F9 The Fast Saga has an IMDb score of 5.5. Uh, pretty low for this franchise. Rotten Tomato score of 59%. The first uh, Rotten Tomato since 2009's Fast and Furious. So far, it's grossed about 400 mil on its $200 million budget. So it's already made its money back, and it's a pretty decent success so far. Is it going to hit billion dollars? Probably not in this, uh, you know, today's climate. But, you know, I don't think it deserves that anyway. <laughs> Honestly, I kind of don't. I don't think even before the whole uh, pandemic, it would have made it. I think I, I think a lot of fans, based on what I've been seeing online, kind of agree with with the with the Han shit and, um, not having Dwayne Johnson back. Like I think fans are kind of on board with a lot of us on these views about like, okay, we're kind of getting tired of this and you're taking away the things we like. Yeah. So why should I keep watching? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know about you, but with Justin Lindback, I know quite a bit of fucking shoddy CGI. Well, you know, I mean, James Wan and F Gary Gray are substantially stronger directors. So I'm not surprised at that. Uh, in regards to the rock being, you know, kind of out now, I have been saying around you, not on the show yet, that you take away the, you know, you stop feeding this franchise, it's franchise Viagra, it's going to go limp, and then no one's satisfied. <laughs> and that's that's pretty much what's happened. Yeah, I mean, look, look at the audience score for Hobbs and Shaw compared to this movie. I mean, you know, there is a chance John Cena could be, you know, franchise Cialis, but that remains to be seen. <laughs> uh, so what are some, uh, some moments... Like I want to talk about Ludacris and Tyrese going to fucking space <laughs> in a Pontiac with a rocket engine attached to it. Built by the fucking dudes from Tokyo Drift who apparently were not building rockets 
in Tokyo Drift. They were not building rockets in Tokyo Drift. No, they were not. Oh, God, sorry. I had a moment. The heat in this movie. Yeah. No, I don't. That's another thing. How does a guy who was a street racer with the most southern accent, again, that I've ever heard in my life, from a movie star, quote, unquote, that one, um, <laughs> you know, has to go to Tokyo because if he doesn't, you know, he's going to get sent to prison because his mom couldn't, I guess, like, do a good job with uh, the sheriff in private time. Why does he go to Tokyo? His dad is in the Navy and stationed in Tokyo. Oh, okay. So he goes to Tokyo, and he becomes DK, not Donkey Kong, folks, Drift King. Oh, my God. And somehow it goes from that to being able to build rockets with a Bow Wow, um, whatever he wants to call himself. Sorry, buddy, if you're so Bow Wow to me, because that's what you are. Twiggy. But Bow Wow and the the Asian dude from the third movie, I forget his name. Um, but I, you know, I will say this, like, besides that stupidness of what the fuck they're doing, uh, it was cool to see them come back. And I'm actually surprised that that's what they kept secret. Like, that yeah. was not talked about. Um, but it was, like, as, like, for the long range fans, that was, like, a cool thing to do to bring those guys back. And there was, I'll give them credit, that joke about, like, Using their nicknames that Tyrese and um, Ludacris were making fun of were their actual names they went by in the third movie. And them kind of making fun of that. Like, whoever would call themselves that? That's a terrible... Like, that was funny. Um, but yeah, besides that, I don't know how they got from, like, Trift King. And it got... By the way, Bawa was selling iPods <laughs> to Japanese students. That's what he was doing. I don't know how all of that equaled let us build a rocket on a car. <laughs> Yeah, I don't understand. I mean, especially when they have, you know, the CIA free-for-all connection here when they could have just easily gone to space that way. They had to pick the most ridiculous way possible. Uh, and then they somehow survived that ordeal after driving into a fucking satellite. I, whatever. <laughs> and that's another thing. Not only did they survive, we have to live in a, this, the knowledge that someone got them back down yeah. to Earth. Mm-hmm. I don't know about how... I don't know if anyone here... I'm sure a lot of you know how, like, uh, satellites work and people who are stationed, like, astronaut stationed there. It's not like you can just go down there on a Sunday because you're missing some Starbucks. Nope, nope, you're... You're going to be there a while. But I guess what? CIA did it? CIA has that connection? There you go. Oh. <sighs> uh, so let's talk Jacob's sudden turn of... Like, a change of heart towards the end of the film. The real bad guy of this film is a little French dude... Uh, named, uh, fuck, uh, named, but about about to be confused with the named character. Otto, Otto, played by Thu Ersted Rasmussen, who looks like William Sadler's secret love child and talks, well, not like William Sadler. But he apparently, really I'm not liked... at my best. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's actually not even nearly as hot as when we started this. It's I like know. in the 70s right now, and we're still... It's, so... it, it's in my head now. <laughs> like, the brain is cooked. Like, the damage is done. Folks, if you want an idea of what we're going through before we continue onward with this, because I know we've said it quite a bit already, looking at my handy-dandy uh, weather app, If you, for those of you who don't live in the PNW right now... PNW. Pacific Northwest, for you that don't know. Uh, we're looking at a high tomorrow with no cloud coverage, just sun, out of 109... And places with no AC or ceiling fans. We're going to be spending the bulk of tomorrow in either a restaurant or a grocery store somewhere that has air conditioning. I'm fully preparing <laughs> to have to bury my cat tomorrow. Hopefully he survives. Christ! 
Christ, Logan, no. <laughs> Logan, I will miss you so much. But you know what? It gets to a low of 68. So, you know, it's... Well, that's, that's not till night, though. So there's going to be a real bad build, and then we have to let it die. I'm happy to say that my cat, Seymour, is in a perfectly air-conditioned apartment with full food and water, enjoying a little alone time. God, my cat has gone through the ringer. <laughs> so John Cena is betrayed by Otto. Who'd have thought, everybody? And instead of just... Like, now he's suddenly no longer cool with destroying all of, like, the world's technology. And he just goes straight to fuck you and just decides to join his brother on stopping this. And it just didn't feel earned. Felt kind of forced. We got to see Vin kind of, you know, begin to forgive his brother, but we never saw the other side of that. So it just felt forced. Uh, and I liked all the shit with the magnets. I thought that was cool. Yeah, the magnets were cool. Um... I would say that was probably, like, their center... They always seem to have, like, a centerpiece stunt in this yeah. movie, and that was kind of, like, their centerpiece. Um, mm. It was cool. Lot, led to a lot of cool moments. Um, yeah, the whole thing with, like, Jacob... I felt like it would have worked had it been built better. Yeah. Because I understand... I understand the reason. He got burnt by the guy. So, yeah, if you're... You would say, let me temporarily work with you to take this down, because fuck that guy. Mm. It makes sense... But there was not a lot of buildup for it. And I loved um, how everyone keeps getting, like, tossed into fucking cars like it's, you know, like cars are made of down. It's just, like, there's a scene early on in the movie where Letty gets, like, hurled out of her car. And instead of landing in the dirt, she lands on Dom's fucking hood and just walks it off. Like, no, she's broken a few bones. And then later on, John Cena gets fucking ragdolled across traffic. <laughs> just, that's fucking insane. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, then there's the whole, like, the bridge that gets taken out, and Vin Diesel oh. hooks it to his, <laughs> wire, his uh, wheel. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, God. Uh, but, yeah. And uh, you know what? What's the true WTF moment to me? The true WTF moment was what the fuck's with the, like, the five-minute-long Star Wars <laughs> comedi- comedy scene? <laughs> like, at first I was like, ah, ha, ha, ha. And then I was like, what? Why is this still going? Yeah, I'm Luke Skywalker. You know, you're yeah. Oh no, I'm Han Solo. Like no, you're Yoda because he's a puppet. Ooh, that scene was horribly written and lasted way too fucking long. Yeah, had we gone to the Yoda moment later, it actually would have been effective. I was like, oh okay, I see what she did there. But God, I went. We went through like five different Star Wars characters, and I was Ugh. like, dear God, get to the point of this scene. <laughs> And he's, by the way, just to point it out, he's more like Jabba the Hutt's little pet rat that likes to poke fun at people and then, like, screech laughs. That, that's more this guy. Salacious Crumb, I think, if my nerd brain is helping me. I don't have a lot of brain helping me right now. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, anything else you want to bring up about F9, Fast and Furious 9, Furious 9, Fast 9, the Fast Saga, Revenge of the, of the Biceps? Revenge <laughs> Uh, not a lot. I, look, I, I can say, like, I know we've kind of been sharing it. I have been, like, a fan of the series since it started. I did like the change to the more ridiculous stuff. Um, but this film, I would say, as far as, as far as, the, like, the post-five, that five, the Fast Five era of this franchise. Yeah. Is the weakest. Uh, taking out The Rock was a huge blow, especially considering his character would never sit this out. Mm. Um... 
again, the whole, like, thing about, you know, Brian, uh, Paul Walker's car pops up at the end of the movie because, you know, he's not actually dead. Like, God damn it, just kill him off. We don't, we don't need to keep utilizing his character if he's not going to help Dom in situations that he would have helped Dom in the beginning of this franchise. Um, the open, the open retconning of Frank installments they don't like. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It's getting, but then still keeping the actors, it's both like, it, to me it's just insulting. It's like, you only know, keep the actors, but then retcon it. And it's not like, it's not like how some, I know some, I know Halloween 2018 technically like ignored the sequels, but it didn't technically retcon it. It ignored the sequels and then put in references to those sequels. So it still paid homage to the overall franchise. It just said, Land, like, we're ignoring the other movies. And Halloween 2018, you know, wasn't the, you know, the d- defining, like, moment built from the past, like, ten movies. F9 has openly acknowledged every film prior as canon. So if you're going to just, you know, shit on that canon, why bother? It's, yeah, it's weird. And... I don't know. It's fucking Fast and Furious. I don't know what more I expected. They don't care. Why should I care? Yeah, this this really feels like we are going to be getting a set of movies after this. Or Vin, Vin Diesel is having too much control, and he doesn't seem to realize what people like about this franchise because he has an idea of what makes it good, and that's not what makes it good. Nope. Go back to your Street Sharks, Dom. So, yeah, I don't. <laughs> this is definitely the weakest of the the five mm. era, if you will. I give F9, Return of the Rise of the Curse of Dominic Toretto, a 7. It's not terrible, but it's a far cry from the series' best. And I've given the past, like, two entries a 9, so I don't hate this franchise. I just don't care for this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I've been really having a lot of fun with this franchise. I was actually really looking forward to this one. Me too. Um, Especially since, you know, this got delayed a year. Yeah, I was like, okay, let's see what they got after, like, a year delay. Yeah. Um... But yeah, it, I give it a seven. To me, it's kind of like the weakest. They, they, what I was saying, they retcon way too much, and they do a lot of shit. And I just have as much fun with this one as I did the past ones. Same. Bummer. You can see it in theaters if you want. I mean, there's you know nothing else out. So if you're vaccinated and you're comfortable, you know, and it's air conditioned. So if you're in the Pacific Northwest, go see F9. It'll kill two and a half hours comfortably. And if you like enough, just watch it all day. <laughs> And then go home at night when it's 68 degrees and you can live. Oh, well, thanks for listening. Uh, we hope we didn't, you know, I know this is not up to our usual s- standards. Uh, we're kind of dying here. Uh, next week, we have a fully loaded show. In theaters, we have The Forever Purge and Werewolves Within. On HBO Max, we have No Sudden Move, a new film from Steven Soderbergh. And on Prime Video, we have The Tomorrow War, Chris Pratt's latest franchise jumpstart. We've not yet decided what film is going to be the big conversation piece next week, so tune in to see what we choose. Also, don't miss Peter Jackson's Bad Taste on Wednesday's Filmgasm and the 1990 drama Awakenings on Oscar Sunday. Have a great week and keep watching movies, and Pacific Northwesterners, stay cool out there. Yeah, survive. We got one more day, guys. Let's, tomorrow's going to be the worst. Let's make it through the God, devil's asshole tomorrow, devil's balls, whatever you want to call it. Just survive. <laughs> tomorrow we can do this you heard it here stay out of the devil's balls and we will see you next week